0: You can remain standing for the uh, duration of the message. No, you can sit down. Thanks, uh, band. That's awesome. Got a great uh, band. Do you want to give them a hand as well? A hand to the band. I'll just get my... I was trying to think of something to rhyme with that, Jimmy, but I can't. Um, So, yes, so we're talking about... um, Oh, I was, actually, I was going to say, usually I just sort of, you know, you see me speaking, uh, doing the meeting leading stuff that Jordan just did, and that sort of like little snippets. So this is like the extended version, the extended remix of me. Uh, Shane handily informed me before the service that he's just cleared off the USB, so we've got 11 and a half hours of recording time. So come on, settle in. Uh, we'll have a break about halfway through, about five hours. We've got morning tea. Uh, we'll all be good. There's carrot sticks. It'll keep you going. Uh, so, I'm going to talk to you uh, about, um, actually, Maddie, do you want to th- chuck up that first slide? I took a selfie of me this morning before I came, because um, when you get to my age, you have to wear glasses, and I always feel slightly self-conscious about wearing them, but, um, So uh, and you feel like everybody's looking at you. Well, you are, I hope. Uh, I'll call people out if I see anybody going to sleep, Duncan. Uh, so yeah, hey, look. I want to tell you a couple of stories just to start with. There was a couple that I heard of, and uh, they uh, every Sunday they used to have a roast, uh, which was very nice. And the guy used to uh, the guy used to cook the roast. That was his specialty, uh, and he uh, he he had this this this. This, this thing that he did and, he, and he, he got the roast and he used to cut it in half and he'd, cut, and he'd do two different roasting pans of roast uh, and they'd have one on the Sunday and then one they'd eat one during the week. And his wife said to him one day, why do you, why do you cut it in half like that? Why do, you, why do you do that? And he said, oh, it's, a, it's an old tip and a trick I picked up from my mum. Uh, she used to do that uh, and she's such a clever woman uh, and she used to, that was how she used to cook it and uh, just a, a lifelong lesson that I've, I've learned from there. Uh, And one day his mum was visiting They were staying with him Uh, She was staying with the couple And and, um, he was cooking up a Sunday roast And she said, why do you cut your roast in half like that? And he said, oh, because I remember what you taught me And she said, what do you mean? And he said, well, you you remember You always used to cut it in half And we'd have half on the Sunday And we'd eat the rest of of it through the week And she said, no, no, that wasn't the reason I cut it in half She said, we didn't have a pan big enough to fit the whole thing in So I just had to cut it in half (laughs) Um, so the point I guess there is that sometimes we do stuff from our family just, uh, it might have been a good reason to start with and then we just keep doing it for no apparent good reason. I'll tell you another uh, story about a guy I know, uh, Mahanga, some people know Mahanga as well, um, and we were talking about elections as we do, uh, and <laughs> we were talking about voting and all that sort of thing. And he said, oh, I remember when I voted. So uh, he, he comes from up north. He said, I remember we went into the polling station and my dad just grabbed me and took me into the polling booth and said, we vote national around here, son. Tick that box. Uh, and so he said, oh, OK, sure. Um, now, I'm not extolling that you vote national at all. What the point is there is that sometimes you just do stuff because you're told to do it in your family and you don't actually think about it very much. So the title of the talk today just. Do you just want to talk amongst yourselves? Me and Maddie have got this thing going on. I'd really like to have a clicker to click the slides through, um, but I haven't got one because not you can't reach far enough. I'd have to keep running down. So me and Maddie, we just got this thing going on, psychically energy, when I go like that, she's going to change the slides. Look okay. at that. So when I do that, just pretend it's not happening. It's just me and Maddie doing a thing. So we are talking today about... Breaking free from family habits or patterns, yeah <clears throat> uh so if if you read the bible, which is a reasonably useful thing to do, I think if you're a christian uh you'll find that the bible also uh it doesn't i'm not sure if it directly references uh family habit it probably does i just don't I haven't read the whole thing i don't think um I'm sure somebody has. Jordan probably has a couple of times, uh, but I haven't. Um, but uh, Old Testament Jewish society and culture was also sort of big on family patterns, right? So y- you probably know enough to know that if you lived in those times, that the eldest son inherited the family wealth, right? So so they inherit. So everything passed from the father to the son. So that was always the pattern, uh, and uh, that was just what was done. Uh, and there was also a bit of a family pattern where the youngest kids in the in the um, or the youngest in the family, the kids got the rubbish jobs. Yep. So if you think about David when he was a little boy, um, he, his job was uh, pretty much just wandering around out with the the family flock of sheep, uh, and that was his job, and it was a pretty rubbish job. Everybody else got to do cool things, and he got to do the dumb ones, where he just wandering around with a and and there was if i'm not mistaken some questions around the 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 genetic inheritance of david is that right that bible scholars have sort of said that when and we'll talk about this a little bit later that when samuel came to find the the, next, well, the king of Israel, the next king of Israel, were, well, there was a bit of reluctance to sort of talk, to bring David into the picture because he was looked a little bit different from the rest of the family. And why might somebody look a little bit different from the rest of the family? They might not have been from the rest of the family. They might have had a different parent. But we don't talk about that. Shh. But anyway, so um, I thought it'd be useful to talk about what are family patterns. Because we all get into family patterns, and, and if you think about it, if they're talking about it in the Bible thousands and thousands of years ago, and we talk about family patterns now, things like cutting a roast in two or voting for who your dad tells you to vote, it would seem like that's something that's happened for ever, right? It's probably something we're inbuilt built with. Um, I've, I, I, I've um, thought of a couple of family patterns uh, in my family. Uh, firstly, we try to say grace before dinner. Um, and that stems back even from when I was a little kid. We had a, a, a family grace uh, that we were in the habit of saying, um, and it was a really simple one. Uh, Robbie Burns, uh, showing my Scottish, Scottish heritage, it was a poem, a uh, poem, yeah, I guess it was a poem, a, um, a, a grace that was simply, um, for every cup and plateful, God make us truly grateful, amen. Um, my brother, when he was very, very little, couldn't say that very well. So he used to say, Come, Abazila, first, amen. Because uh, that, that's pretty much what he picked up saying. Uh, so I don't know if it has the same impact. Possibly. Um, so that's a, that's a family pattern, saying grace before dinner. Who else says grace before they eat? Yeah, good. Very good. Well done. Top marks. <laughs> um, going to church, that can be a family pattern. I grew up in a... a, a a um, good old Presbyterian church. There was lots of standing up and sitting down. Um, not, never clear why we were doing that, but we always did it. Uh, so, oops, sit down again, oops, nope, stand up. Uh, and we were just in the path. That was what we did every Sunday. We went to church. Until I rebelled at the age of 14. No, I'm not going to church anymore. <laughs> I'm too cool. <laughs> um, uh, uh, to be fair, our family is probably in the habit of going to church every Sunday now. We come to church pretty much. Uh, Almost ninety-five percent of Sundays. There is an occasional Sunday that we're not. But uh, birthdays, often people have a habit around birthdays, right? They have a particular way. Uh, The Brown family, I know, have a habit of they're not allowed to put up the Christmas tree until uh, Jono's mum has had her birthday, because her birthday is on the twelfth of December. So they want to celebrate uh, Jillian's birthday uh, before. Christmas, which is fair enough, uh, yeah, so that's a nice habit, um, swearing, sometimes we're in the habit of swearing, uh, I'll give you some example, no, uh, just in case, because I know that you guys, you probably don't know any swear words, uh, so, um, but my wife taught me some, so, shh, don't tell her, she's out, she won't know, um, so swearing, yeah, that could be a family habit, eh, um, I can remember a story about our friend's uh, three-year-old, and they were in, the, uh, in, the, in the, a, or the, not the A&E, the emergency, the 24-hour doctors, because the baby in the family was was sick and crying and crying and crying and crying. And, um, and somebody leant over to the mum and said, oh, it must be hard. And the three-year-old said, yeah, effing baby. Um, <laughs> uh, which, he, he didn't say effing, he said the actual word, but we're not going to say that in church. Um, not talking to some family members—that's a family pattern. I remember one of my first, uh, my my first girlfriend actually, um, back in the day. Uh, I, um, I I remember being somewhere with her, like in town or somewhere, and she said, "I oh, see that lady over there. That's Auntie Valerie or somebody." And I said, "Oh yeah, you're going to go and say hi?" And she said, "No, no, we don't talk to her." And I was going, "Oh, okay." So that was something that was unfamiliar to me, but familiar to her. Um that she didn't talk to uh, some family members, they were just in that habit. Um, you might say aren 't some of these good habits surely don't we want to be saying grace before we have a meal don't we want to be coming to church don't we want to? and I would say to you, no, not if they 're just habits, particularly in fact, you could say this about anything, but certainly about church, and faith. We don't want it to be a habit. Surely we want it to be intentional, purposeful, acts of praise, of worship, yeah? You could arguably simply title this talk How to Break Habits, because we could have a debate about it, whether any habits are actually all that good, because when you're in a habit, you kind of want automatic pilot. I think there are times when it's probably good, right? You probably... Want to get into the habit of just driving the same way home or walking the same way home, uh, because it wouldn't be all that effective use uh, of of your of your brain really to go. Okay, okay, uh, uh, here I am in the car. Which way? Which way am I going to go home today? Wow, here we go. There's so many options, aren't there? Well, there probably are so many options. I'll get out Google Maps. Right, which way? Oh, what about that way? It's not all that efficient, right? You're going the same way. Just do it. Um, But of course when you're doing a habit You're not really thinking about it I think also We've talked about some I've mentioned some sort of little habit You know some mundane run of the mill habits Saying grace Swearing Kicking the cat um, Things that you grow up doing But actually uh, I don't kick the cat (laughs) We don't have a cat anymore (laughs) boom, it was, no. Uh, um, But I reckon, you know, washing our hands before meals, that's a good habit to get into, isn't it? Probably, especially for little kids whose hands and fingers have been who knows where. Uh, It's probably a good habit to get into, just general hygiene. But do you know what? I, I think Jesus came and God wants us to to look at those little habits, maybe. But I also think he wants to come and make radical change in our life. Yeah. Sure, you might be sitting there going, Oh, yes, well, I could, uh, perhaps I could be more attentive when I say grace and more purposeful. Yep, you could. But I think there are other family patterns that you could break out of too. Now, I don't know each of you individually well. I know some of you better than others but I guarantee you that some people here have cycles of family violence that they're just in the habit of doing, or they're on the habit of receiving. I guarantee that some people uh, have patterns of family abuse, either the victims of or the perpetrators of. In a room this big, there's definitely going to be some people. Yep. And I, there's probably people that inadvertently, physically or emotionally cause hurt to them to other people in their family or are hurt by other people emotionally or verbally uh, by other people in their family. Why? Because that's just what they did. That's just what we do. That's how we talk to each other. That's how we behave to each other. Yeah? I reckon... God wants us to change those habits just as much as He wants you to change whether you wash your hands before dinner. In fact, possibly He wants you to make changes in those more important aspects of your life more so. Yep. Now I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, um, but I would like you. I would like you to try and think as I'm talking about some family habits and patterns. Okay. Because this is going to be a useless talk. Unless you actually go and do something. It's a bit like our Daniel fast, right? We're actually wanting God to change us and to change our city. But we're wanting him to do something different. And we want to do something different. It's It's that interaction of faith and works. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But while I'm talking, I want you to start thinking about what are some family habits? Who are some people in your family It might even be how you speak to your mum? I know I'm in the habit of not being all that, I'm not deliberately horrible to her, but sometimes I just get a bit frustrated (laughs) and I am short with her or not as nice as I could be. Why? I'm just in the habit of doing it. Why do we get into habits, you might ask? And luckily for you, I'm somewhat qualified to talk about that. Uh, so if you don't know, I'm a clinical psychologist. I teach at Vic Uni and uh, train some wonderful clinical psychologists, AM. Uh, so, um, so part of what clinical psychology is really good at is helping people change their behavior. Yep, we can help you change how you think and how you feel, but actually, ultimately, it's not until you change your behaviour that something really significant happens. Um, so, why might we get into habits? Well, essentially our brains are pretty lazy. Yeah, they're a pretty sort of lazy organ. I don't know if a brain's an organ, actually. I should know that, shouldn't I? It's... a uh, uh, but a, a, a lazy part of your anatomy. It likes to get into a pattern of doing things and then just do it. Go back to the example of driving your car. It's not that all. It's not that efficient, is it? Every day to get. If I had to get into my go home from work or go, leave work, go up to my car park, get in my car, and go. Oh. Hmm. How? Or even. Even there's a habit of driving, right? That's what you do when you're learning to drive, is you build up a pattern or a habit of driving. Okay, you put your, uh, put, your my, put my foot on the brake. Which foot? This one. Foot on the brake. Uh, imagine if I had to stop and think through that every time I did it. Okay, uh, okay, right. What have I got? I've got to get the got to get a key. I've got the key. And I've got to put it in the, I've got to get in the car first. I I'll get in the car, and then I've got to get. I've got to get this thing, and I've got to insert it in there and turn it. Not not, not that way. The other way okay, that's right, all right, and something's happened, and now, okay, now I've a foot on the brake and, and pull, pull this thing and then press this other lever. Imagine how complicated that would be. It's not, very, uh, not a great use of time. Um, so your brain likes to develop little patterns, or big patterns, where you just do stuff on automatic pilot so that you can free up your mind to do other things, like think about um, no, how to give uh, the cat a haircut, or, um, you know, uh, what amaz- what song you're going to vote for on uh, ZM's um, Snapchat top chart nine that I occasionally hear when the kids are in the car. <laughs> Hello, my name's David and I want to vote for... I can't even remember the song. So, But, you know, so you can free up... Your brain wants to put a, start a pattern on this so that you can have important things going on in your head. Uh, what am I going to watch tonight on TV? Ooh, there's, oh, there's... Is that new series on Netflix? I could watch that. Yes, I could have that. What are we going to have for dinner? And other important things. Um, Of course, it probably didn't free up your brain to think anything about changing your behavior in line with the Bible, but you know, you could do that if you really wanted to. Um, So, if you think about it, families are just groups of people living together and whose brains are living together and they just create habits and patterns because that's how it works best in their life. Yep. You need some patterns and habits just so that life runs a bit smoothly. So if if you think for a minute that we're hardwired to form patterns and habits, how do we get into them? Well, the easiest way is just do it over and over and over and over and over and over again, and it becomes repetition and repetition and repetition. If you think back to your driver's license, um, actually, can I, who who can drive a who's got a driver's license? Excellent, that's good. You've got a driver's license, haven't you, Richard? <laughs> Great. Uh, i was a bit worried there because <laughs> I've seen Richard driving a car. <laughs> Oops. Um, uh, so you just do that. You get in the car. Every Sunday or Saturday, whatever it is, I used to do Sunday afternoons with my dad driving around. You just do it over and over and over again. And sometimes you don't and do that intentionally. Sometimes you just do it and do it and do it. And sometimes what can start off to seem like a shortcut becomes the habit, the way that you do things, yeah? It moves from a shortcut to simply becoming the way that we do things. Um... One consequence of that, given that we're sitting here in this church setting, uh, if you went to shout uh, this year, you'll have heard, hopefully, you'll have heard John Gray speaking. And he said, another word for repetition is religion, where you just do the same thing over and over and over again, but you're not engaged in it at all. He didn't say that, I'm ad ad libbing now but another word for religion is repetition or another word for repetition is religion. Um, another way that we can get into habits, yes, you can just do things over and over and over again because it's easy and it's simple and you get into a habit and a routine. Or you can do it because you simply watch and copy what other people around you do. So you think back to the guy, the couple that I spoke of at the start, who cut the, cut the um the roast in two? He just did that just because that's what his mum did. Yep. there may have been a good intention at the start of it, and in fact there was. They didn't have a pan or a dish big enough. Um, but he lost that that got lost in the midst of time. That was just how he did it now. So um, a note to parents really, and you probably if you're a parent, you don't really need this warning, but I'll give it anyway. Um, kids do as you do. Not necessarily as you say. Yep. So we learn to swear because we hear it around us. We don't spontaneously come up with swear words. Because if, if they were, they probably wouldn't be a swear word, would they? Fajokatabok. <laughs> <laughs> don't say for fajokatabok again. <laughs> no, it's my swear word. No, it's not. it's not a swear word at all. Doesn't work, does it? So kids don't spontaneously come up with these. Um... We learn to hit others when we're angry because we see other people hitting other people when they're angry. Yep. Um, I know there's been sort of controversy about the, well, not in my mind, but in some, in some circles there's controversy about the anti smacking law. I think it's a good thing that you don't smack your kids. Yep. I don't want, I, I can remember, Isaac, shut your ears. Uh, I can remember when Isaac was really, really little and he was like about, you know fifteen no um about um about maybe younger than two, he was old enough to talk, and he was wriggling around on the floor after he'd had a had a bath uh he, we were trying to get him and changed um, and uh, it was really frustrating, and I got frustrated and went, on his leg, and he said, "Please don't hit me again, it hurts." I went, yeah." And I don't want to, I don't really want to, I don't remember, he won't remember that, but um, I don't want to, and I thought at that time, I don't actually want to get into a pattern where my kids see me hitting other people, well, full stop, but particularly when I'm angry. Um, We learn to make fun of other people because of what they look like or what colour they are or where they're from because we hear other people around us doing it. It's just in the culture of our family. We might explicitly say to kids, "Now, don't say that." And then, you know, but when we're laughing and joking with our friends, we (laughs) make a joke about it. And remember, kids do what you do; they don't necessarily do what you say. So you might say, "Or don't," we don't do that. But then, if you do it, they're much more likely to do what you do, not do what you say. So we're just in the habit of doing things. And whilst humans are big fans of getting into habits, I'm not sure that God necessarily is. Close your ears. Maddie, next slide. Look at that. So First Samuel 16. And I sort of referenced this already. Samuel did what God told him. That was good, wasn't it? Um, when he arrived at Bethlehem, the town, the town fathers greeted him, but apprehensively saying, is there something wrong? Nothing's wrong. I've come to sacrifice this heifer, as you do, um, and lead you in the worship of God. Isn't it good that church has changed since then? <laughs> Yay! Come on up, worship team, and here's the heifer for the, today. All right. <laughs> Imagine the, the cleanup after. We'd be, we'd be here till about four getting rid of everything off the stage. Imagine Shona coming in. <laughs> uh, anyway, prepare yourselves, be consecrated, and join me in worship. He made sure Jesse and his sons were also consecrated and called to worship. When they arrived, that's Jesse and his sons, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, here is God's anointed. Keep going. Is there another one after that? Yeah. But God told Samuel, looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. I've already eliminated him." God judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face. God looks into the heart. Then Jesse called up Abinab- Abinadab and presented him to Samuel. Samuel said, this man isn't God's choice either. Next, Jesse presented Shammah. Samuel said, no, this man isn't either. Jesse presented seven sons to Samuel. Samuel was blunt with Jesse. God hasn't chosen any of these. Is there one more, Matty, or not? Then he asked Jesse, is is this it? Are there no more sons? Well, yes, there's the runt. But he's out tending the sheep because the youngest get the sucky jobs, and off he goes, sure, he's from this family. Samuel ordered Jesse, go and get him. We're not moving from this spot until he's here. Jesse sent for him. He was brought in the very picture of health, bright-eyed and good-looking. God said, up on your feet, anoint him. This is the one. So think about the background to that. So there in the habit, and David's family, Jesse was the dad. The the oldest son was presented first. This is who we honour. This is our habit. This is our, this is what we do. Great, you know, all blessings and favour go to the eldest. No, no, not him. Oh, well the second eldest then. Not him either. They went through all seven, and before they got to David. So this is God saying, do you know what? I'm not interested in your habits or your patterns or how you do things, because I do things differently. So wake up and take notice. Not you guys, them, but you can wake up too. So, if God's not big into them, maybe we shouldn't be big into them either. Unfortunately, family patterns and habits aren't always easy to th- see. I was going to tell that joke that Jordan told me this morning about what's, I'm what what's, <laughs> but I won't do that just because I lift like that. Um, so, if you think, so, so family patterns aren't always easy to see. Think back to the guy that cut the roast in two. There was a good reason for that when he first started, but that got lost. And he didn't really see it as a habit. He thought there was a good reason for it. But in fact, the reason he was doing it was absolutely nothing to do with why he started doing it in the first place. And so how do we become aware? Like, if we've all got these habits going on around us, and we're sort of... uh, hardwired to get into them, and we're going to do them anyway, how the heck do we come aware of them? Well, luckily for you guys, Christianity has, is one of those clubs where membership has some benefits. Over and above the rest of the world, all right? So you've got access to stuff that the rest of the world uh, don't. So if you come to church every week, not that you'd be in the habit of doing that, you'd come intentionally and purposefully, right? Every week you're going to hear great messages most of the time, perhaps barring today, but most of the time you're going to hear great messages from up the front. People speaking stuff into your life to say, hey, think about this. Oh, okay, yeah. How does that apply to me? The time when the message is preached is not a time to check your phone. Yeah. I don't remember. I can see from up here. It's actually a time when there's wisdom being taught to you. Um, Maddie, can we do the next one? We also have this great handbook for life, ba ba da ba, the Bible. Now, if you haven't read it, you don't have to read the whole thing. Uh, I'm still working my way. Hands up, whoever has tried to, who started doing those, I know, let's read the Bible in a year. And keep your hand up if you've ever completed that task. There's one, two, maybe three. Mark's scratching his head. Um, uh, But um, yeah, Uh, so you don't have to read the whole thing. Most people haven't as far as I'm aware. But it's got all these handy tips and tricks and life hacks to make your life go better. Yep. And they may also, if you're open and curious about it, it might show you places in your life that you could change. Does that make sense? Yep. Some of you might also be in an E-group. Now E-groups are basically because we can't all know each other really well, because there's too many of us. We could have a church of six, but it, that's called a cult. Um, so we won't not going to do that. <laughs> uh, it would be weird. Uh, but we, so we have a church of lots of people, uh, and it balances out the craziness. Um, but then we have small groups where we kind of get together and know each other a bit more. Yeah, I've got a great e-group where we, uh, we're we over the... We've only been meeting, I think, this year, haven't we? But we've, over that time, you just sort of get to know people a lot better and in and more depth and, and more, more personally. And those people are great people, full stop, in my e-group anyway, and I'm sure in your e-group too, but they're great people for being able to point out things gently to you in your life. They're people that walk along beside you and say, Hey... Why do you do that? Oh, I don't know. Or you may have some reason. Oh, uh uh because so we can have half the roast now and half the roast next week. No, oh, that makes no sense at all. You always, you always have to have extra on a Sunday, extra um, after you've eaten because you're always hungry. Well, there's no sense in having it. You're not eating enough. Um, so, e-groups, you can have honest and challenging conversations with you. Yep. Um. Another useful identifying way of identifying family patterns and habits is simply living with someone. Now, please uh, don't hear what I didn't say. Uh, I'm talking about living with people that you might have flatmates or you might be married. And when you rub up alongside other people, think the way that you do things shows up because it's different to how they do things. Yep. Now, if you, uh, I can remember uh, when Rachel and I first got married. Um, it, we got married uh, in January, uh, which is a great month to get married. If anybody's looking for a month to get married, that's awesome. The Browns got married in January. Uh, so get married in January. So 11 months later, we had Christmas, and there came the discussion about what we're going to do for Christmas. And Rachel was aghast. At our, at our family's habit, which I'd never thought of before. So our family, we used to get up whenever, kids get up early in the morning, and you used to open your stocking that was at the end of the bed. And then, uh, what else did we do then? Then we'd have breakfast, and then, because uh, we are in the habit of it, we went to church, and then we came home from church, and we usually had people come around, so the people would come around, and then we had Christmas dinner, and then we did the dishes, and then after the dishes, we opened the rest of our presents. So this was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> which was difficult. When, but it, I didn't know anything different, right? That's just what I was in the habit of doing. And Rachel was, she said, are you insane? <laughs> I said, no, what are you talking about? Of course I'm not insane. I'm, it's my mother and father. Um, but it's not until you rub up against other people in day-to-day life that they can, they can point out stuff to you. And you want that to be... People that can point that out in a kind, compassionate, caring way. Not, no, what did you do that for? Way, not that, not that my wife speaks like that. Uh, um, but you, you want it to be a kind, and you can do the same. So you can do the same for your friends and family. You can say, hey, why are you doing that? Why do you, I'm curious. They may have a really good reason. They may never have thought about it before. So these are, that's another way that you can start discovering some of the habits or the family patterns that you're into. Now, a good indicator that you've hit on a, something that's a habit is when you discover one, you get some sort of big emotion. Now, it might be surprise. Oh! my God, like when I discovered about this crazy idea that everybody opened their presents after their, you know, before breakfast on Christmas, (laughs) what, what do you mean we can get presents earlier, Uh, so that was like, oh, surprise, it might not be surprise, it might be guilt, Uh, it might be regret, it might be sadness, that's okay, you don't have to be afraid of them, a little side note on emotions, God gave us emotions, they're fine, we don't like having all of them. I don't like being angry. I don't like being sad. I don't like being guilty, ashamed, embarrassed. Uh, most of them, really. Uh, I do like being happy. But it, that's the point. The, it's not the point is not whether you like having them or not. They're telling you something. Yep. Yeah? And if you don't, and, and often we spend a lot of time trying to get away from our emotions. Ooh, I, I won't do that again because I'll, well, maybe you should do that again, or maybe at least you shouldn't avoid that emotion because it's trying to tell you something to change your life. To, um, to half-quote John Gray again, you can imagine me there at John Gray's sermons just with my little pen, writing down notes, All oh, that's good, I'll steal that. Um, he said, um, emotion will give you Revelation. There's a second part to that in a minute, too. But emotion will give you revelation. And you sometimes see that when people come up the front at uh, a church service, that they're, they're clearly feeling quite a strong emotion. Sometimes people are crying. That's okay. We don't, that's fine. You know, we, that's what we... But you're feeling a big emotion. That's telling you something about your life. God gave us emotions to tell us stuff about our lives. So we, shouldn't, we, shouldn't be afraid, we shouldn't be afraid of them. Well, now what? So we've got worked out that we all have these patterns or behaviours that we get into, and they might be really simple. They could be as simple as saying grace, a meaningful, come on, Basil, a fresh dummy, and before, before you eat dinner, which is meaningless, in that case it was. Um, or you might just be in the habit of reading your Bible. Who... Uh, if you're on, oh, I won't ask for a show of hands. I will tell you that sometimes I've read the Bible without really reading the Bible. Oh, that's great. Yay, cool, amen. Great, off for the day. You know, I've ticked that box. Or I have worshipped or prayed uh, in the morning. I try and have a quiet time about 7 o'clock just to set me up really well for the day. It's like my spiritual coffee, you could say. <laughs> um, uh, who's drunken coffee without really appreciating it? Oh, God. Who, who's going to appreciate coffee when you come off the Daniel fast? Um, but don't you want don't you want to live your life like that, where things that where the things that you're doing have meaning and purpose and real weight, where you're not just in the habit of doing it? I don't want to be in the habit of reading my Bible religiously, meaning just repetition after repetition. This is what I've done. yeah, tick it off. I don't want to do that. And I do do it. So don't fret if you find yourself falling into a habit, right? It's going to happen. But try not to do it. So John Gray says, while emotion gives us revelation, worship gives us activation. Yeah? Yeah? So while emotion gives us revelation, worship gives us activation, and I reckon that's because we're turning back to the source of where these good ideas are from, which is God. Yep. Otherwise, if you just focus on your emotion, you you just become inward-looking all the time, right? You li- you know you can literally do that. You don't have to do that. You can come in a spirit of worship and get revelation, but you'll need to do something different too. You actually need to change your behavior. Maddie, can we do the next slide? So James 2, I kind of like this one. Uh, It says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active all along with his works and faith was completed by his works and the scripture was fulfilled. It says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteous as he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. For as the and I'll just for in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So it's faith and works, right? I don't. Um, now I'm not obviously advocating that you go out and sacrifice your firstborn son unless he does happen to be called Isaac, in which case all bets might be off. Um, But, you know, so you you don't have to do that, but you are going to have to do something different. If you want your faith to have a meaningful impact in your life, you will have to change your behaviour. Now, next slide, eh, Maddie This Luckily for you, I know a thing or two about changing behaviour. This is what we call the cycle of behaviour change. And Emma's going to come up and just do a quick minute, a quick uh, five-minute talk on that. <laughs> so this, uh, this cycle comes out of the addiction uh, literature. So they, when they look at people who try to kick a habit, they notice that they do these things. Um, I need a little pointer, but I'll just jump up here and see it. So you start here, right? So you start in pre-contemplation where you're not even thinking. Pre-contemplation is I'm not even thinking. It's not even on my radar. Contemplation is, oh, I'm starting to think that I should do something different. I heard this great message uh, at church. Or uh, somebody in my e-group said a thing that made me think differently. Or I read the Bible and I thought, actually, I should do that. And then you do something to start preparing for it. So there might be something that you might need to have a bit of a plan Yeah, you might need to think, okay, well, how am I, if I'm not going to, I was talking to a guy about um, his relationship with his mum, and he said, I just can't handle it. He said, every time she texts me, I just, I just don't text her back, and I feel terrible afterwards. So he came up with the plan, actually, the plan that he was going to do was he was going to, he was going to contact his mum and take responsibility for that, rather than waiting for her to contact him, but he was going to do something different. And then you move into action. So you're actually putting forth this plan. Yeah. And step five is maintenance. So that's where it's become part of what you do. It's verging on becoming a habit by then. Now, sometimes that's good, right? When you're driving, learning to drive a car, we want you to get into the habit. But f- we don't want you to get into a religious habit. So there's always a, a bit of a tension there. And in here, in each of these little spots, that's just a lap. So that means you, 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 you prepare doing something and then it doesn't quite come off and then you're back here thinking, oh, this is a problem I should do something about. Or you start taking action, you start doing something differently and then for whatever reason you have an off week or you get a bit sick and you stop doing it and you, slip, you might slip right back to here again. Does that make sense? So it go. And if you think about anybody that's tried to change their behaviour, whether it's as simple as... Um, whether it's as simple as trying to go for a run in the mornings or going to the gym or um, uh, anything like that, any sort of behaviour change tends to follow this pattern. There's very few times that people say, yep, I'm going to do that and it's going to work 100% and I'm going to do it now. Um, when, I do th- when I talk about this or I do this with- in workshops with people, when I talk about this, there's often, you know, uh, in about 20, there's often one person that says, yes, I did it, I completely kicked smoking and one. No, oh, shut up. Um, it can be done, but typically people don't do it. Um, and just the next slide as well, Matty. So if you want to break a habit, what can you do? Or well, you can focus on the behavior. What am I going to do differently? Not on the outcome. The outcome would be, oh, I'm going to be a more saintly person. Well, that'll need to happen. Um, you know, it's a bit like uh, if if we're helping people to lose weight, we, we don't focus on their losing weight. We focus on them doing an activity the next day. Does that make sense? Yep. Add in, do something different. Don't say, I'm just not going to do that anymore. Well, what are you going to replace it with? Yeah. You think about it. If somebody says, I don't want to drink so much. A really useful thing to do is get them to have a glass of water instead because they're probably saying, I don't want to drink alcohol, rather than I don't want to drink at all. I'm never going to take liquid into my body again. Well, you're going to die. Uh, so don't do that. Um, so they're probably saying, I don't want to drink alcohol so much. So instead, we would say, Well, have a glass of water because it's the same action. It's very hard to drink alcohol and water at the same time, so you're only going to be able to do one. Um, The small slice of the whole pie, this is sort of an individual thing. Some people like to say, um, I'm a small slice. I'm just going to do bit by bit by bit by bit. Like when I started running in the mornings, I said, right, I'm just going to try and run for one kilometre and then two kilometres. And other people say, oh, I'm going to run a marathon and I'm going to start now. And they do it, or they might, perhaps marathon's an over-exaggeration, but they might start running 10Ks straight away. Um, Just change one thing at a time. Don't try and change everything about your life. You'll just get into a mess and you'll never do it. Reward yourself. We know that people do things more when they get a reward out of it. And sometimes the, cha- the behaviours that you're trying to do, the changes that you're trying to make... Let's say you're trying not to speak to a person that way or trying not to behave in a certain way with another person. They might not be all that rewarding in itself because it might be really hard. So you might have to build in a reward for yourself. Actually, do you know what? This week or today, I've done a really good job at, uh, uh, at not snapping back at my partner, at being kind to my flatmates, about um, not swearing re- when I really wanted to, what, how are you going to reward yourself? What are you going to do to acknowledge that? It's, it's, a, it's a law of human behavior that if you get a reward for it, you're more likely to do it. Be accountable. You can write it down. We know that people that write down things, they say, oh, I'm going to change this. They're more likely to achieve that goal than people that don't write it down. And another way of being accountable instead of writing it down, as telling somebody. So you could tell a friend or you could tell somebody in your e-group, do you know what? I'm going to focus on doing this or I'm going to change doing that. In my marriage, I'm going to try not to do that anymore. Instead, I'm going to try to do this instead. And you've told somebody so you're more accountable so that person can come back and say, hey, how's that going? Oh, well... And of course you want the person that you tell to be kind and compassionate and caring. Not somebody that judges you and says, well, you're a bit of a loser anyway, I knew you wouldn't do it. Somebody that might say, hey, yeah, it is hard. And remember that funny cycle thing, that, that wedges of pie that Dougal put up on the, um, on the overhead? Um, you know, lots of times people slip backwards when they're trying to make a positive change in their behaviour. Um, if we can have the band come up too, So we've been talking about family habits or patterns. We know that we know that they're sort of hardwired into us. That people have been getting into family habits and patterns since I was going to say Adam, maybe since Adam, but at least at least since Jesse and David, right? Maybe before. And we've been talking about how um, we can get into habits about little stuff. Like having a cup of coffee in the morning. It's interesting how the Daniel fast interrupts those sort of habits. And you go, what am I going to do now? Oh, I just won't have it. What are you going to have instead? Oh, a cup of hot water. It's great, isn't it? Um, Thank you, God. Um, So that people get into habits and patterns, uh, that we can get into them on little things or big things and about some life-changing things. I believe, you you think about this this series of of, uh, messages that we've had, it's about changing your life, moving forward. It's not about praying your life. Prayer is a part of it, but it's about doing something different. So you have to engage your behavior. You have to do something different if you want to see a change. Otherwise, you'll come back next Sunday because you're in the habit of coming to church. Um, and nothing much will be all that different. Yeah? So think back to what John Gray said. He said, emotion gives you revelation, but worship gives you activation. So we're going to give you an opportunity now for worship. Uh, so the, the, the team's going to lead us. But, so what I'd like everybody to do is to, uh, is to stand because it's always good to stand and worship.
1: Because it's a good habit,
0: isn't it? Actually, the more you think about habits, the more you go, oh, crikey. So I just encourage you to close your eyes and and, and forget about who's around you. There's no magic in closing your eyes. I don't think you become closer to God because your eyes are closed. Probably not. I don't think there's a strong biblical basis for that. But it just means that you're not distracted by the things around you or the people around you. And if you feel comfortable, why don't you raise a hand or just put a hand out in front of you if you can think of a family pattern of behavior that you want to change? And maybe if, if you're comfortable, you could raise the other hand to say, hey, look, I'm also either wanting to try and do something different, or maybe I need to look into my life further to see if I can find some patterns of mine and that I'd like to change. If you are in that position, the position I would really challenge you to talk to somebody about it. To your partner in your e-group, come and talk to me if you want to. Remember, because it's accountability. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do something different. So I'm going to pray. And then we're just going to join the team in worship because worship gives us that activation. So this worship is like the ignition key. Yeah? And it can start us doing something, changing something different in our lives. Lord, we come to you this morning. We know that we're not perfect. But we know that you've made us and that you're our savior, you're our father, and you love us. Lord, we know we know that there are things in our life that we do Just because we do them, Lord. But we don't want to be living our lives like that. We don't want to be living our lives in a habitual way. We want to be living our lives in a purposeful, clear way where we're doing things deliberately, where we're acting deliberately in accord with how you want us to live, not just out of habit. So, Lord, as we come to worship you, please give us that activation in our lives. Please point to things in our lives that we can change and show us what we can do. Help us to plan ahead so we can do something different.